Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 17th episode of Riverdale Season 5, Dance of Death. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, who I'm happy to be reunited with after a long week apart, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? I'm here. I can actually talk to you. You don't have to splice it together after the fact. Yeah, I have time on my hands, but I don't have that much time to actually go through and pretend like we had a conversation. I Well, and that was the thing. I was like, I don't think she has time for that. But if anybody's going to make time for that, it's Mary. So I was concerned about what you're going to do with that footage. But uh, it all's well, it ends well. I was on vacation. And look, I know that last week's episode, you know, there was no bants. There was no banter. There was no interaction between us, which is probably 90% of what's good with this podcast because, I mean, you Not, know, who cares about Riverdale? It was all analysis <laughs> and we kept it tight. Yeah, it was really fun only having to record for like 30 minutes though. I liked that part, even if I had to listen to it all. I talked about Archie and then I looked up and I was like, it has been two minutes, but I'm done. I have nothing else to say. I was also really excited when I got your audio because I was like, ooh, now I get to hear Kirsten's thoughts. I wonder what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did listen to the pod so I could hear your thoughts, so. Right. So same thing. Uh, But this week, we're talking about episode 17, Dance of Death. Nope. I wrote Death of Death. That's not right. Dance of Death. Death of Death. (laughs) And I actually really enjoyed the episode, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I also want to talk about a couple revisionist things because it's kind of relevant. So some things that I didn't realize at the time, nothing from last episode. Last episode was whatever. But from two episodes ago, The Return of the Pussycats, we had like made a big deal about talking about how Machen and Natalie Bolt, who Natalie directed this episode and Machen had directed a previous one, and we were talking about how all the moms of Riverdale were directing. Well, we completely missed the fact that the Return of the Pussycats episode and last episode, Band of Brothers, were both directed by Robin Givens, who plays Mayor McCoy. So (laughs) we had another Riverdale mom directing and we didn't even notice. Moms be directing. I mean, the thing is, is I'm literally never going to remember like who directs anything like I just don't know I normally don't see it but I just wanted to check because uh, you know it was kind of neat I also have an update on um the pussycats episode Uh, I came from uh, Morgan sent it in to me by Twitter and so if people people are thinking oh maybe one day I'll watch Katie Keene and I don't want to spoil her okay we'll skip ahead like a minute but like grow up you're not watching Katie Keene your time is more valuable so Morgan messaged me and said Kirsten if you aren't going to finish watching Katie Keene, I'd love to spoil it for you because the return of the Pussycats makes even less sense with that info. And I said, of course, tell me everything. And they said, okay, so Josie reformed the Pussycats already in Katie Keene. And it did not even occur to her to ask Valerie and Melody if they wanted to be a part of it or if they were okay with it. So I feel like they would definitely have been upset about that as well. And Alexandra acts like she's never heard of the Pussycats before, but she fully made a group called Xandra and the Kitty Cats and performed Josie's songs because Josie had signed a contract with Cabot Records that gave away the rights to the song. Oh my gosh. So basically, there was all of this stuff that we just didn't know about. Yeah. And they did, but like they didn't even address it. Like, it's not like we watched.
watched the episode and were like, oh, I don't understand. They just didn't include it. They were like, yeah, no one watched Katie Keene. We don't have to worry about this. Here are some more fun facts that we didn't mention from that episode. Nancy, who was Melody's girlfriend, who we kind of made fun of for like being there for exactly two seconds and saying nothing and we hey, didn't even I liked find out. Her. I mean, that, that was good. But the fact that we didn't even find out her name was Nancy until that final scene where they're getting mm-hmm. on the bus. So it didn't even occur to me that Nancy is an Archie Comics character. <gasps> and I should have known that because in Riverdale fan fiction, a lot of times they will heavily use a lot of the Archie Comics characters that are not in Riverdale that much. So like Chuck Clayton's usually in there more. And Nancy is, Nancy Woods is the person who generally dates Chuck Clayton in Archie Comics. So fun oh. fact, this is the same Nancy. Here's another one that I have. And this was probably the biggest one we didn't notice because I think it's technically a close but no cigar. In the episode, Melody has written a book called Summer Storm. The actress who plays Melody, Asha Bromfeld, or yeah, okay, or Field, Bromfield, I don't know. She wrote a book called Hurricane Summer. Oh. So I think Summer Storm is a close well, but no cigar to her own real book. But I also think that it's completely reasonable that we would not have gotten that. Like, I don't, that's not on no, us. No, if we had done literally any research what? into I'm Asha sorry. Bromfield. We're doing research onto, like, featured characters now? No. we The line has to be somewhere. Yeah. But I did want to point that stuff out because I did think it was interesting when I found out about it. So I would just like to credit the other Riverdale podcasts that I listen to for most of those tidbits. I just don't understand why yeah. you're listening. You're making a podcast. You're listening. Like, enough is enough. Look, shout out to the Riverdale Register. They do great work over there. And it's the only other Riverdale podcast I can tolerate. <laughs> oh, doesn't so. the girl from that podcast follow us? Uh, I think so. Caitlin something? Caitlin. Yep. Caitlin on Twitter. She follows us. So that that's so nice. I don't think she listens to our podcast. No, but, but. anyways, we're mutuals. Yep. She writes she writes uh she writes Riverdale articles sometimes. So anyway. Oh god, I'm sorry for her. <laughs> yeah. Her co-host was like talking about the previous episode, the Band of Brothers one, and initially they were really excited, and by the end of the episode, he's like, Oh man, this show just makes me sad sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, the work of a Riverdale podcaster. Yeah, it's you know, we don't really get enough respect or appreciation for the important work that we do. Yeah, not nearly enough. So you can change that by giving us those five-star ratings and reviews. Please, <laughs> please. Yeah, make sure you do that. Anyway, so let's get into this episode, which we already mentioned, directed by Natalie Bolt, who plays Penelope Blossom. Um, and despite yes. that fact, very light on the blossoms in this episode. Well, in so, a way, in a sense, it was not light on the blossoms. I guess there there were some blossoms late. Well, okay, okay, fair. You're right. In a sense. <laughs> in a sense, it was heavy blossoms, but light on uh, the Penelope Cheryl front. So let's go ahead and talk about the Blossom Ministry. If you recall from the previous episode, Cheryl did three magic tricks and now she's a saint. But again, were they? one was a magic trick, I think. The others I don't know so much, but whatever. Yeah, so Kevin is like doing his thing and Penelope comes up to him and is like, hmm, seems like my daughter has made this into a cult. And it's like, ma'am, this was a cult from the start. (laughs) When was it not a cult? Penelope's like, all I wanted to do was have a fun side hobby of running a church. A cult. (laughs) Running a fake cult out or a fake church cult after I got out of prison. And now that's been taken by my daughter for no reason because she needs purpose. And her friend Kevin, who 
also needs purpose. And Kevin, of course, is like, whoa, talking about cults, that's a little bit of a trigger for me, which fair, <laughs> probably should also be for Sh- Cheryl was also in the farm. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think that Cheryl has healthy coping mechanisms. No, I don't think we've ever seen her to have a healthy coping mechanism. That's I mean, right. I'm glad that Tony has her own thing going on and is not just in the Cheryl plots, but also Cheryl was a lot more tolerable when she had Tony around. I mean, Cheryl's fine. It's not Cheryl's fault that the writers were like, hey, let's do this dumb bullshit. <laughs> Wait a second. Is this reverse of what we were having a few episodes ago where I was trying to be like, it's not so-and-so's fault. And you're like, Mary, it's a, it's a TV show. No, 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 no. I mean, Cheryl's actions are the character Cheryl's fault. But I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, I just hate the Cheryl plot line because it's not like she had the option. It's not like she went on a choose your own adventure and was like, okay, I could hunt a killer. I could start a cult. I could be <laughs> in the army and chose to do the cult. Like, Cheryl sucks okay, in this moment, yeah, but no. I just think that there's a distinction. That, look, I agree with that. I think that's exactly the same thing it's that I was saying the, the other It's not the exact same thing that you were saying. There's a very important distinction. What's the distinction? Because it's the same look, thing. I, I recall that what we were saying before is I was like, oh, this character is like being a bad person. And you were like, well, but it's not their fault. The writers did it, which is not the same as being like, oh, this character's like annoying or bad. Like the character of Cheryl is good she's just in a stupid plot line it is not the same as like defending Archie I don't remember who I was defending <laughs> but I highly doubt it was Archie have you been pro Archie lately in a weird way and we need to talk about it <laughs> I mean, Archie is also a lot more tolerable. He's about to get a lot less no, tolerable by not. the end of this episode. Archie is not. You said that Archie is tolerable when Veronica's not there. And yep. I just about jumped <laughs> through my cell phone. Like, ma'am, no, this is bad, too. They can both be bad separately and together. I just I, don't, and I, I think, like them so much less when they're together. And I because think that the, like, wild Veronica stuff that's been happening would be at least 75% better if she and Reggie we're just dating now as well. Like, yeah, it's so much better when Reggie and Veronica are dating. Them just, like, doing crime together is not entertaining. But if they were doing crime and then, like, having sex on top of the money or something, that would be different. Okay. We could say that about everybody. I mean, no. Betty and Jughead were a lot more interesting together when they were dating also. <laughs> I'm, that's up for debate. I, I think, I mean, I think that's different. I think the acting from the actors is not as good when they're together now. Which, I mean, I feel for them that would be awkward for me too, but... You know what? People have awkward situations at work all the time, but you still have to show up and do your job. And they get paid a lot more money for what they do than we do for what we do, so... But what? here's my issue with the Archie Veronica stuff, and we'll talk about it when we get to his plot in a second, but I think my qualm... Oh my gosh, it was qualm! That was my word, not quibble. (laughs) Okay, I don't I know think not, that qualm and quibble mean the same not, thing. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. But that was the word I was thinking of when I was mm. like, oh, there's some word that I say, but it's not quibble. You just love <laughs> Q words. Yeah. Anyway, so my qualm with uh, the Archie and Veronica stuff is that I just think that the fact that Veronica's father has tried to murder Archie on so many occasions, framed him and put him in prison, that would be a deal breaker for me. And I would stop trying to date Veronica unless... Hiram was out of the picture. Uh, but what if you were in love, Mary? What about love? Have you watched Outer Banks? No, I've not watched Outer Banks. 
Leave me alone. Okay. I'm watching Grey's There's, Anatomy, okay? I'm on season three. I feel three. like there is a similar scenario in Outer Banks, and I think the characters on Outer Banks handle it better. That's what I'll say. Also, go watch Outer Banks. What are you no, doing? No, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy. I'm on season three. Yeah, but there's so many seasons of that. There's only two of Outer Banks. Well, wh- what genre is Outer Banks? It's like part teen drama, but it's so much more stylized as like a fun beach treasure hunt kind of. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, it's sort of like mystery, but the mystery is like a treasure hunt. But it's like very, it's it's pretty violent and there's a lot of action, but is like it, in a very gritty real kind of way. Is it gory? Mm. See, if you have to think about it that hard, no, that means it's I, too gory for me. Gory's not the word I would use. I mean, it's not like ungory where there's like gunshot and you don't see anything, but it's like you'll see stuff, but it's not like, it's not trying to be gory. It's just realistic. So it's gory. I mean, it's not that gory. I it's don't, not, I you're don't watching like a doctor guys. show. Yeah, but don't that's they different. Have, like, They're trying to save lives. <laughs> okay. They could be trying to save lives in Outer Banks. You don't know. They're trying to find a treasure. You just told me. Well, there's... Okay, you know what? This isn't an Outer Banks podcast. So the Blossom Ministry. Yeah, Penelope's like, hey, Kevin, it's a cult. And Kevin's like, yikes, I feel like I should probably not be in a cult. And then Penelope's like, my will is strong enough to not be in a cult. Can you say the same? And well, then which, like, he just leaves. Penelope, you just made the cult. Like, that doesn't mean your will is strong. Like, shut up. And you lost your cult to your daughter because she poured maple, like, water and maple syrup. Like, stop it. Yeah. So Kevin asked Cheryl, he's like, hey, Cheryl, you know when we pray, who are we praying to? Are we praying to Jason? And she's like, no, Jason's like a conduit for like, you know, the higher power. And Kevin's like, right. And who is that higher power? And she's like, I don't know. I'll think on it. I'm going to do a liquid cleanse. She, well, she says she's going to fast on it. And then she says that she's doing maple syrup, cayenne pepper and honey, which is literally the master cleanse that people, like people do that to try and lose weight and it yeah, is not do good it. for you you should not do it you okay? should never do any cleanse anything that's like oh you need to do a cleanse to get the toxins out of your body i'm here to tell you right now you have kidneys you have a liver you have organs that detoxify your blood if your blood was toxic you would be dead you don't need yeah. to do a cleanse yeah cheryl's getting like really weak from her fasting i'm not really sure what that had to do with anything like i thought this was going to end with like i think it was just that like she like i think the theory behind behind this is that when she is like getting super weak that's when she like uh, is can't can get closer to like the layer between worlds and can see like the higher power like that's what i am assuming the yeah. rationale behind it is but they don't tell us that at all so she's gonna paint a picture and, and it's, it's ugly like, yeah i mean it's like she's like an angel or it looks like she's an angel she's got wings and then there's like a red bird but it's like really big and i guess that's jason and then there's water i don't know why there's snakes under the water i was unclear about that part and then there's um, fire because obviously there's the snakes are the evil on earth duh I don't know. The painting was ugly. Like, one of the least believable things about this season of Riverdale is that we're supposed to think that Cheryl is this, like, magnificent artist because it's all, like, very pedestrian and not good. I mean, it's certainly better than I could do. Well, yeah, but I'm not saying I'm an artist. Yeah, it's like, I think the style is fine. I just think that, like, the things she's painting aren't very interesting. It's just dumb. Yeah. So she's like, ah, yes, the four elements. We should pray to Gaia mother earth 
And Kevin's like, okay, um, I'm out. Like, good for you. I'm glad that you have your your situation figured out, but I'm going to peace out. And I will say, Kevin, that's probably the smartest thing you've done so yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, good for Kevin, but also I feel like her being like, oh, we've got the four elements and we're praying to Mother Earth is like one of the least troubling things Cheryl could have said in that spot. Like, that yeah, could have been so much I, worse. I'm fine with her wanting to feel spiritually connected to Mother Earth. That's totally totally fine. Do what you need to do. But I'm glad that she didn't fight Kevin on Kevin being like, you know what, actually, this is a little bit fringy for me. I'm gonna... Yeah, I liked that it I liked that it wasn't a fight. And when Kevin yes. was like, are you mad? And she's like, no, like, there's always a spot here for you. And like, I love you. And I, I liked that. Yeah, that was good. Also, this is just more evidence that Cheryl's clearly like a witch, right? She is a witch. It's very obvious. Yeah. So Kevin leaves and we see Penelope like, ha ha ha, my plan worked. He's out. But I don't that didn't weaken. Yeah, Cheryl congratulations. Cheryl doesn't have a creative director. It's she still has control of your cult. Yep. And now she has a more clear vision of what you're praying to. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Your cat just like whew, from the ground to the top. It was very Yeah, there, she's a great jumper. Yeah, Stephanie, very American doing? Ninja Warrior. Now she like stood up on her back legs and was like touching the roof. Stop wow. that. All right, 20 minutes okay. in and we yeah. got through the Blossom plots. I'm so proud you know, of us. Good. Okay. Hey guys, did you miss the banter last week? Because we've gone on like eight, <laughs> eight side plots. Wait, sorry, we have two weeks worth of banter to fit into one episode. And you know what? There's only two more episodes of River after this thank the lord thank gaia so well you gotta pack in the banter and by two more episodes she means two more episodes in this season there's definitely a season six <laughs> well yeah but then it's over on october 6th and we get like six weeks off i'm very excited about that yeah okay so let's talk about all's fair in love and palladium no okay so <laughs> it turns out that uh, i think archie and the guys have been mining all day every day for free yeah i don't know if he was like look you're not paying us at all and we're just doing this because we're nice people or if he's like you're paying us but now that we're actually finding stuff you need to pay us more because he's like we're down here working 12 hour shifts and there's a lot more we could be doing up above to help Riverdale and she's like perfect I'll give you some money I'm gonna go ahead and chime it over to you that product placement though Uh, yeah I was gonna say is chime a real app yeah chime's a real app it's a banking app so this is a thing. So she chimes over to him $517 as a finder's fee. And she Yeah, said, that's going to do a lot of good. Is that sarcastic or not? I it's can't tell. $500 is not that much money to create the infrastructure of a whole town to get reincorporated. That's nothing. Like we found out that the palladium is worth so much money. Yeah, the lump of palladium she's holding right there is at least as big, if not bigger, than the lump that Veronica just sold for $300,000 and that was like cheap. Hiram said he would have bought it for more. So yeah, this is nothing. This is like a one percent. Well, and it's also finder's like fee. it's just stupid. Yeah. So, but I guess he's happy about that. So then we have some n- divorce negotiations between Chad and Veronica. And first, Chad's like, "I want this house and that house, and also the Pembroke," which I really didn't like. That Veronica was like, "It's fine, take it all. All I need is Archie." Two reasons. Reason number one, I feel like it doesn't look good in a divorce like discussion to bring up like your other lover like I feel like that's just not like a good thing to do for you Mm -hmm. I feel like that gives him more leverage and second 
I feel like she shouldn't want Chad to have the Pembroke. Like, I expected her to be like, take everything except the Pembroke. The Pembroke was like in my mom's family, like, or whatever. That that was like the one thing that Hermione had. And so I feel like that's like, you don't, if you're going to stay in Riverdale, you don't want Chad having access to the Riverdale apartment. Like, that's not good. No, I didn't. I did not care for that. Spoilers, it's not going to matter. But at the time, I didn't like it. Well, I mean, it, I, it does a little. So Chad, like, goes to Hiram to complain about Veronica, which is, again, a, a strange choice, but they've been in cahoots. Yeah, uh, and, Hi- and Hiram's like, well, here's the problem. If you want to reconcile your marriage, you need to kill Archie. Yeah. Which is horrible advice. That's not going to work. I mean, it's not like Veronica's, like... I don't think the thing that's standing in between Chad and Veronica is Archie. Like, that's certainly the option she's going to choose. But if Archie's not in the picture, she's going to still want to divorce Chad. I I think it's the theory that if Veronica doesn't have someone that she really cares about to kind of run to, that maybe she would be amenable to the discussions of maybe not leaving. Like, I don't think it's, like, supposed to be a sure thing. But it's just being like, if Archie is alive, you will never have another chance. Whereas if Archie is gone, maybe you might. Might, uh, which again is flawed but like because this is also assuming that chad is gonna somehow kill archie and that veronica yeah and that veronica is gonna not think that hiram and chad were involved yeah so hiram gives chad like a uh, a gun you know no serial number all of that stuff and is like kill archie now i think that if hiram had really been thinking here sure give chad the gun to go kill archie but find some way to actually link that gun to veronica to frame veronica Veronica for killing Archie and then you're taking care of two birds with one stone but like then Chad wouldn't know that he was framing his wife like it would be like a whole thing and I think that would have been much more entertaining from a criminal perspective from Hiram yes but also Hiram solves problems with murder we've known that for a long time he's done it since he was in high school yeah no I I don't think that like Hiram's above that I think that makes sense I think it's more so like yeah Chad's an idiot and a sheep I guess I just don't understand Hiram's situation because based on the Hiram flashback episode it seemed like he was at a place right now where he really wanted to get like Veronica back in his life yes and like that she was gonna like him I had the same thought while watching this episode but then I remembered he's now furious because Veronica took the palladium and he was hoping to use the palladium to get her back in his life which doesn't make any sense because she doesn't care about the palladium Hiram yeah I mean yeah but like now he's fueled by needing to get revenge and palladium back and like we're jumping ahead but when we get to the whole dance of death conversation i I prefer that we never talk about that conversation (laughs) actually i actually really like that scene but but like back in whatever it was sometime in season four when they had the whole episode where everybody talked to the guidance counselor when that happened i remember that we had a conversation about how like veronica misinterpreted the guidance counselor's like advice her advice was not that she should like try to take down Hiram even harder her advice was like stop trying to take down your father just separate yourself from him you're like in a bad relationship with your father get out of this I agree with that so like last time when she was trying to sell the palladium like don't steal the palladium from your father like if you just say hey I've got a problem I need money rule out anything Hiram related don't even touch that because you know that's just gonna worsen this problem like every time she gets a one-up on him he's just gonna come back and do it to her again so stop i don't know why she 
thought that was a good idea. Because she has issues. Yeah, it didn't work. Okay, anyway, so Chad tries to kill Archie, but he completely fails. And then Archie, like, throws a trash can lit at him, like Captain America, which knocks Chad out. And I don't understand why Archie didn't just, like, run over and, like, tie Chad up or, like, you know, wrestle him to the ground. Like, he didn't need to let Chad get away, but I guess whatever was fine. And then you thought you expect him to just kill Chad right then? No, I didn't expect him to kill Chad. I expected him to, like, somehow use this as evidence that Chad just tried to kill him. Like, later on, they have the gun, but Archie just reaches down and picks it up. Don't you, like, can you at least grab it with, like, some cloth? You're getting fingerprints on I don't know. Well, I mean, but they'll know which ones are his fingerprints. They'll be able to, like, rule that out. I guess I'm just saying, like, theoretically, in that scenario, Chad could be like, yeah, I was just walking somewhere and Archie tried to kill me. Don't you think theoretically in that scenario you'd be freaked out because someone just tried to kill you and you'd want to get the gun? Like, get the gun away, but I I think I've watched enough TV to know that if I was ever in a... I think if someone came up to you with a gun and tried to shoot you, I do not think that you would have the presence of mind to be like, oh, better get some cloth to preserve the chain of evidence. Like, come on. If somebody tried to shoot me, but then they missed, dropped the gun and ran away, I don't think I'm walking over and just barehanded picking up that gun. If that happens, you would be in shock and you might very well (laughs) barehanded pick up the gun. I think that you are being ridiculous right now. I just think we've seen that that's a bad thing to do. I mean, it didn't hurt Archie in this scenario, but it like totally has hurt Archie in the past. Like, didn't he go to prison for like this exact reason? I don't remember how he actually went to prison. I don't think that there was actually any evidence of that. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he just like went to prison because Hiram was like, weren't you in the area? (laughs) Hiram was like, he was there. He must have done it. And I've seen over months that Archie is like a very aggressive boy with anger problems. And they were like, well, of course we believe Hiram. He's running for mayor. Even though he literally is a criminal and has been since the beginning of the series. Yeah, so much makes no sense. Okay, anyway, so Veronica changes her mind and decides that because she has the gun evidence that Chad dropped, she's going to divorce him and she's going to get everything. Mm-hmm. She's like, otherwise I'm going to press murder charges yeah, against and you. Yeah, isn't it he just attempted do- murder? <laughs> First of all, he didn't do any murder at all. Um, and second of all, attempted murder is like the most difficult charge to prove because you have to prove that they wanted to kill them. And so like, I don't think that they would get a conviction. Yeah, it's even harder to prove when you have no evidence because the murder weapon has been tampered with. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I mean, I don't think that's the problem because the thing is, is that to prove attempted murder, you have to prove the person's intent was to kill. And if there's no actual death as a result, it's very difficult difficult to prove that they were intending to kill. A lot of the times, like, an attempted murder would end up going to, like, an aggravated assault. But that wouldn't even be an aggravated assault in this situation because Archie didn't get shot. I guess, like, it was an attempt. I don't know. Like, maybe he could get an, uh, an assault charge. But, like, there's no way they're proving, man, like, an attempted murder on this. It's just not happening. But Chad folds. And Veronica really leans into something that's happened quite a bit in this season of Riverdale that I really don't like, where they've just started calling people little bitches a lot like it's a really common thing now and it's like not an original thing to call someone it's not an interesting or clever insult it's just kind of dumb and it really bugs me how much they're saying it now like I I don't really like that word yeah and I know this has been a discussion on Big Brother also I think the two scenarios are pretty different I I mean I personally don't condone using that word like against anybody but I think what they're doing with the show because in the last 
last couple episodes, we've seen Josie and Veronica in particular. And most of the time, they're saying that to men. Yeah, but, and like, I I can see the thought, but it's just, it's, it doesn't set a good precedent. And especially for a show that's like for like teenagers, I, I don't like it. I don't think it sets a good precedent. I think the idea there is they're sort of like, quote unquote, taking back the word, right? And like using it against their tormentors. But it's also like- But they're not really doing that. But they're what they're doing is that they are insulting their tormentors by trying to, quote unquote, emasculate them by using a word that yes. is typically used on women. And to me, all that does is like further emphasize that coded language against women is an insult and that it that's okay. And I, I don't care for it. I agree. So I would say let's try not to. Like, re, like re, in, to me, reclaiming language from my perspective as a woman is if I'm going to reclaim the word bitch, it's going to be to use it in a positive context with my friends, not to use it as an insult or to emasculate someone because to be emasculated is an insult. It's, it's, it's just not a logical way to reclaim a word. Yeah. I think the other thing for me is, and maybe I'm wrong, but like I watched CW shows growing up. I don't remember, like I feel like this is a pretty recent thing that just like on eight o'clock television that we are allowed to use that word? Is that just me? I mean, is that new? No, I, I think that like it's, I think that's been a more allowable word in general compared to like other swear words, but I also do think the standards for like primetime television have become a little bit looser. Like I feel like when I was a kid, you wouldn't hear people saying shit on TV and now you like hear it all the time. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, but I don't know. I grew up in a very, in a family where we just like did not curse at all. So it was always shocking to hear it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, uh, that's that scene. Chad, for some reason, goes to Hiram thinking this is somehow going to help. And Hiram's just like, dude, you messed yeah, up. Yeah, you did it wrong, you idiot. Like, Yeah, you're disgusting. You disgust me. You've lost my daughter forever. And then Veronica and Archie have happy divorce sex. Yeah, um, good for them. Yeah, they I don't really know. happy. I don't know if this was just me. I found the song in the background was like very annoying and distracting. Like, I was Maybe trying I just didn't know what the song was. Not to pay attention to the scene, so... Okay, it was it was brief. Um, also, I could have sworn, maybe I'm wrong, I could have sworn they were all of a sudden back in Archie's childhood bedroom. I might be wrong about that, but like, I didn't he so. move? Didn't he move into like, no, his I thought he, bedroom? I thought he refused to move because that's his dad's room. I don't know. I just feel like I've seen, like, back when him and Betty were hooking up, I felt like they were in a different bed. I don't I know. Thought, weren't they at her house? I don't think so because th- there was, uh, the house was crowded. There were a lot of people and there was always the risk that Jughead was going to walk in. I don't know. You know what? It, it happened. It's over. Who yeah. It, I, I choose not to perceive that. Yeah. So back in the mines, an explosion goes off and Archie goes deeper into the mine to find Eric and there's a big cave in and they get separated, but everybody else gets out. Although all of a sudden there's like 10 guys. Like, I don't know who all these guys are. There's way more guys. the whole crew. Yeah. I guess these are like the guys who also work at Archie's like construction firm that I guess exists. I don't know. I thought Archie sold that company to another man. I'm pretty sure he sold it to Sheriff Keller. No, I think he was going to get Sheriff Keller to do it and then ended up selling it to a different construction company. Or was he going to sell it to a different construction company and gave it to Sheriff Keller? One or the other. One or the other. Who knows? I feel like Frank was also also involved in that i i well because he d- wasn't gonna sell it and then frank was like stealing money so then he's like i can't run this company yeah and then everybody hears the news about what's happened archie finds eric under some rubble 
And then Veronica, okay, this is the scene that I actually liked, although you didn't, whatever. Veronica knocks her father out and ties him up. And then she's like, hey, remember what my guidance counselor told me about how we're in a dangerous dance of death? And then- Why would he know that the guidance counselor said that to her? I, I think maybe she had a conversation with him No, stop it. She did not. I feel like, okay, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like this was like the thing that culminated in her moving into the speakeasy. This was why she created a ro- her own rum company to compete with him and take him down. Yeah, it's really bad. Anyway. It's so dumb. Veronica's answer to any problem is like, oh, these men, I don't know, don't think I'm doing good stuff. Great. I'm just going to beat them by going on the offensive instead of the defensive. It's like, you've always been on the offensive. Stop pretending. Veronica has never been on the defensive ones in her life. Okay. Now, this annoyed me for a couple reasons. So she tells a story. I mean, I li- here's, here's what I liked about the scene. I like the acting that Veronica Camilla Mendez was giving when she was having this discussion. And I like that we are finally like getting all of this like Hiram Veronica stuff out in the open. And it was like, instead of just sort of tiptoeing around each other and being like, ha daddy, I stole your palladium. This was like very direct and stuff. And that they, we finally got a little backstory. Here's what I didn't like. I didn't like the retrofitting of remember my quinceanera when I overheard you talking to some friends and talking about how you were disappointed in me and you wish you had a boy instead. Okay, so here's what I don't like. Thing number one, they didn't do a quinceanera. They did a confirmation. And there's like a lot of reasons. Well, but that she was already 15 when she moved to Riverdale because Jughead turned 16 in season one. Okay, right. It's confusing. She was not 14 when she so moved to unless, Riverdale. So unless the quinceanera is a separate event that happened, th- I don't think it makes sense just because I think Hiram would have been in prison. I mean, it, like... I, no, so I think that the quinceanera would have happened shortly before he went to prison because I was under the... Like, when she was telling the story, I really thought it was going to be like, oh, my quinceanera got ruined because you got arrested by the FBI in the middle of it. But what doesn't make sense is that at the start of Riverdale in season one, she still doesn't think her dad is a bad guy and she, right. like, defends his actions that he took about, like, everything. She doesn't start resenting him or feeling like there's anything bad about him until she finds out about Ethel's dad. So it just doesn't make sense that there's this backstory of why they have a problem that happened honestly during or prior to Riverdale. That would be this event. But she was definitely 15 when she moved to Riverdale. Okay, well, and that's possible. But I also know that like when you look up Veronica's quinceanera, a lot of stuff comes up about the confirmation Yeah, because there was no quinceanera on the show. So how would they be able to talk about it? Well, so the reason is because the show said like they were originally planning on having the event in that episode be her quinceanera, but then they decided that they, yeah, they didn't probably want realized her to be 14. She was, yeah, yeah, they were like, she's too so, old for So this. that does make more sense that she's already 15. But but I think like, I, I would have rather her just said that this happened during the confirmation because that makes a lot more sense because that's the episode where she finds out that her dad like works for the mafia or whatever and like has all the crime family situation. Mm-hmm. And that's when she starts being a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I like can trust my father anymore and I'm a little bit and I don't like how he's like pulling Archie into this so that would make more sense okay regardless I skimmed through that episode twice there was no conversation I didn't I don't like the fact that she's talking about how this whole bad relationship she's had with Hiram has centered around this event that did not happen that we did not see on the show I don't like that because there are so many things that did happen on the show that they could have just used like hey dad do you know how hard it is to have a father who's constantly trying to kill my boyfriend and here are the 16 times you've tried to do that 
no more. If Archie dies, you die. Like, that could have been it. Because that's the issue. That's the main, like, source yeah, of their I just, conflict. The, yeah, the, this whole thing was stupid, which is why I didn't like the scene, which is why when you said you liked it, I was like, but I, I what like, happened to Mary? I liked the conversation. Uh, I didn't like the content of the conversation, but I liked that they were, like, having it. Whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, I I thought it was cheesy when she said, can you feel it? Our dance of death is finally coming to an end. I just wish she'd killed him right then and there because then it would be over. I don't care. Like, send Veronica to jail for murder. I don't care. It didn't happen. So everybody tries to move the rocks. Uh, Archie hears Bingo again. And he's like, Bingo, I thought we were square because I got over my guilt about your death. And Bingo's like, we're square. Yes, because that's how post-traumatic stress disorder works. And he's like, we're square, but now... Now we're going to help you. I'm going to give you a kick in the butt. And then the ghost platoon, like, helps Archie move the rock. I'm so confused. Is this really happening? Is this supposed to be, like, demonstrating that he gets a second wind? Like, what is this? No, so I think, because Cheryl does her spell, and I think Cheryl might have, like, conjured the ghost army with her spell to help Archie get out of the mine. So these are no longer a manifestation of Archie's guilt, but, like, literal ghosts who are helping him move rocks? I think that they were literal ghosts that were helping him move rocks okay, i know I'm, that sounds I'm ridiculous so but i there's no explanation that's not ridiculous for i this. thought it was more just like he remembers his platoon and was like i can't give up for them so i'm gonna have the strength of 10 men I don't, who knows whatever i mean if anyone's gonna have the strength of 10 men it would be archie wouldn't it yeah so that's happening and then veronica hurts her hand which i think must be a deleted scene because we literally didn't see that yeah so cheryl's know. like go home and rest so then cheryl is literally a witch and she controls fire, wind, water, and earth to open a path to, for Archie. To conjure the ghosts to open Well, but path. then she also, like, I don't know. Like, you see when she talks about fire, the fire grows bigger and then there's wind and, like, all of a sudden there's No, no, she's wind. a witch. She's a full yeah, witch. Okay. And they are so just leaning happening. into that. Uh, I wish that they'd given us, like, more little nods to that possibility over the course of the show and it actually, no, they like, would have made it, like, sense. four episodes ago. They No, they definitely decided during Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because they made, like, several allusions to the blog blossom property and to the blossoms themselves but they just like didn't make it part of Riverdale which is yeah, stupid it's very why annoying. was it on the other show and not this one because they're annoying so uh Veronica goes home she tries to take a bath and then Chad comes in with a gun I don't know why why is Chad trying to kill Veronica now well because I think he is doing the thing that so many abusive men do which is like well if I can't have you nobody can so I will murder you just abusive relationship yeah. things you know real good quality stuff so she um she controls her smart features using Pippi, which I guess is a close but no cigar for like Siri or Alexa or anything. Yeah, I think it's more for Siri than okay. um than Alexa. Sure. So how do you feel about Pippi? Well, she's no Pippi Longstocking. Fair. But she uh, you know, helps Veronica keep a clear head and murder Chad. In self-defense. Yeah, yeah she Veronica's murders tend to be self-defense. Yeah. This was not as interesting as when she dumped the flaming bucket of fire on that guy or whatever. She poured alcohol on him and then lit a match. No, it wasn't even that. She turned out the lights, assuming that the guy would walk downstairs holding a lighter and he opens his lighter and then she dumps the bowl of alcohol on him. Yeah. I mean... That didn't make any sense. I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm just saying that she she killed a guy. 
Yeah. Is that it? Is that her only murder? Um, I think so. Probably. There might have been some over the years that we just don't know about. But yeah, so she she kills him and then Smithers walks in and is like, whoa. And she's like, huh, is Archie okay? Like literally could not care less that she just murdered her husband. Ex-husband. You're right. Now, I know this was self-defense and I'm sure that we're never going to hear about this again, but I just feel like it's so frustrating in this show that like sometimes, like with the Archie murder trial, that went on for half a season. And with this, it's like Veronica straight up murders her ex-husband who's been a character and we're never going to hear about it again. Hey, it's like, it's it not like she's going to struggle. homicide. Like, yeah, but even that, I feel like, it, I don't know. You yeah, know, you'd think that there would be some sort of like grand jury to at least decide if she should face murder yeah, charges. But I mean, we're not getting a lot of those scenes that would involve lots of people, mostly due to COVID stuff. That's like probably the reason why we didn't see the bad general army mm. guy trial yeah. from the previous also, episode. Also, because it doesn't matter and we don't care about it. Also that. Uh, so Veronica talks to Hiram. She's like, hey, I guess I can untie you because Archie's alive and I'm not going to kill you. Um, but you're a silly cartoon. You can't even kill Archie. I'm not afraid of you anymore. You're not a threat. And then Veronica and Archie take a bath and then Hiram burns the photo of Veronica and Hermione. Yeah, so, so he's given up. on. Yeah. So we did a whole episode to make us understand that he wants his family back only for nothing to come of it. And then three episodes later, he no longer wants his family back. Is he going to try to kill her? I don't think so. I think he's just saying like, she's dead to me. I don't care about her anymore. But my question is, is this going to stick or in three episodes, are we going to see Hiram and Veronica like just back at it again like old times. Oh, I hope not. Here's another question. What is the ending we want for Hiram? Like of this um, season, of the show? Like is he gonna die? I want for Hiram there are a few options that I would be okay with. One, he dies. Okay. Two, he goes to jail for the rest of his life. Or three, he escapes to like some tropical island never to be seen again. Maybe fakes his own death. Maybe Hiram gone girls himself and that would be like acceptable to me. So the reason I don't like the Hiram dies plot is, or at the very least, Hiram can die, but he can't be killed. Or if he does, if he is killed, it's gotta be, like, in a way where it's, like, not like, like, Archie can't kill Hiram. Like, I think if Hiram dies, it needs to be, like, he changed his mind, he actually jumps in front of a bullet that would have killed Veronica oh, oh, no, or that's so Archie cheap. or something. No. But, but I think otherwise, it's like, I don't think that Archie and Veronica, like, I think Veronica's gonna be upset if he dies via his battle with Archie. Like, I just don't think you can come back from that. Yeah, but I don't care about if Veronica's upset. I'm just trying to figure out what's, like, a satisfying ending. I think if he gone girls himself... I just think it's frustrating that, like, if he's been the big bad for all of these seasons, that we're not gonna get, like, some kind of satisfying ending because I just maybe don't even know what I want from him. Maybe they'll do, like, the end of um, Breaking Bad where some people didn't know if Walter White was alive or dead. From watching the show, I thought it was very clear that he was going to succumb to his injuries but apparently it was a debate on the internet at the time i don't know i haven't seen breaking bad it's good so. you should watch it so the first season i think or the first couple episodes it's fine it's on my list it's good i, I enjoyed it a lot it was a great binge i need to watch downton abbey first okay. oh yes so that's that's the palladium plot uh actually light on the palladium i mean lots of mines lots of high yeah uh but and we still spent way more time talking about it than i would have liked because it was i didn't like the plot line at all it was horrible yeah well we had some tangents Okay, and yeah, then we had a good conversation. Now, here is what I believe is the complete wrap up of the Lonely Highway plotline. Like, I think we're done. Yeah, with this I think after it's, this one. if anything else comes out, it's going to be minor. And I do think I was like mostly right that it was going to be the same thing the missing women and the moth 
Mothman. I was wrong because I thought there was going to be some sort of army component to it as well. But that's because the show made us think there was going to be an army component. Yeah, and I I think, like, when the show brought up that, like, nearby army facility or whatever, I think that that, like, was a viable option on the table that they were debating. And then they just decided to go with this one. So, I mean, I'll I'll take that the the army wasn't such a, a part of it. But it was the same thing. And I... I, I predicted that. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. So Betty and Tabitha, they've been working the Lonely Highway for like 10 nights and have gotten nothing. Probably because literally every trucker is like, oh, hey, those are those girls who keep trying to tell everybody that we're committing murder. So like, well, maybe and let's not. Again, I feel like if you are wanting to do murders, it's a lot riskier to pick up two victims than one. Yeah, this is a dumb plan. So then um, Dr. Curdle Jr. calls and he's like, hey, I want to incinerate the murder body because I'm getting nervous about keeping it in cold storage and Betty's like, I'll come by with payment soon to ease your worries. Mm -hmm. Some small bills. Yes, of course. Tabitha gets a call from Squeaky Field's mother. So when we saw the episode where Squeaky like disappeared. That was the first episode of the time jump, I believe. Mm-hmm. Possibly the second episode of the time jump. Not sure. It was the very end of the episode. And I remember there was a lot of talk at the time where we were like, is this a flashback? Like, did this really happen? Is this like Jughead writing a book? Like, we didn't even know if this was real. Yeah, no. we didn't even know if Squeaky was a real person. Did we yeah. talk about Squeaky from like the Manson family at the time? We, not in that episode, but we talked about it later because we got some okay. comments about it. So yeah, I was kind of annoyed with the fact that we're going to find out her name is actually Lynette and that somebody whose name is Lynette, which was also Squeaky Frum's real name, like the fact that she would go by Squeaky. Why are you going by Squeaky? Well, I'm assuming that maybe the Manson family didn't happen in the Riverdale universe. Because do you know, like Squeaky, like from the Manson family, her nickname was that because she would like squeak when Charles Manson like touched her in a specific sexual way uh, when he was like 70 and she was 18. So it's like really gross. Yeah, I picked up on that from uh, Podcast Life. Book? No, um, <laughs> once a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, <laughs> mm. they basically say that in there. Yeah, so okay, yeah, Dakota Fanning plays Squeaky from in that. Yeah, I, mm, I think we've talked about how I don't like Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's a good movie though, but okay, fair point. So then, um, Tabitha, yeah, gets a call from Squeaky's mom, and we find out that Squeaky did not make it to California to meet up with her friends, which was months ago. Yeah, that right? was a really <laughs> like, long time ago, and we never heard anything of it. It's very odd. Yeah, it's like Squeaky's mom has just been trying to track her down for a while and finally got around to calling like the last place that she was at. It's so weird. Yeah, that's just classic in a missing persons investigation to not talk to the last person who saw her. Yeah. So then Tabitha's like, hey, Jughead, Betty, you guys used to solve m- mysteries together. Why don't you just team up and try to solve it? Which seems so obvious, but I'm also like, what is Jughead bringing to the table? Like, Betty figured out most of the mysteries in the past. Jughead showed up and the mystery was solved in one episode. It's obviously they're such a good team. Yeah, and I think some of that's because coincidentally their two plot lines actually related and they were just kind of like not talking and maybe there would be some clues. But Mm -hmm. basically they go over the facts and um, I completely forgot about Jughead's student who disappeared for days. Oh yeah, they were, I was like, wait, what? Lerman Logan or whatever his name was. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> something like that. So they uh, they go talk to Dr. Curdle again. He's got another body, but this one's been dismembered. We mm-hmm. never find out why this one has been dismembered when none of the other ones were. I think it was like a trash bag killer, like red herring that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, because they immediately solved the case, right? Yeah. So. I think we end up finding out that this is squeaky because they yeah. do a DNA test and it ends up coming back as her. Um, Betty also tells Curdle about Squeaky. Yeah, so that happens. And then Betty tells Alice about the dismembered body and Alice is really upset about this and is going to give like an impassioned plea on the news about how the murders need to stop. Well, and, and how she like she needs closure to know like where Polly is. Like yeah. if Polly's dead or not. Like she feels like she's a bad person because she's like wishing for a dead body to be her daughter because at least it would be over then. Very sad. It's very, very sad. And I feel like, you know, I feel like a broken record, but like Machen does a good job as Alice and this tiny little bit of her that we got. I'm like, okay, I know maybe they don't want the show to just be doom and gloom all the time. Well, the next like, episode, uh, spoiler, is going to be very doom and gloom and Alice related. Yeah. So I guess we'll get some there. But like we've seen tiny little clips of Alice over the last several episodes of her just like looking sad or falling asleep on the couch or whatever. I feel like if this was a different show that didn't need to have as many plot lines, a major plot line would be like Alice and the twins and that family and like what they're going through. And that's also why I've been frustrated because I'm like, there is a real hardcore like missing persons, like very deeply sad story going on. And all of the side characters, like whenever Archie interacts with Betty or whenever Jughead interacts with Betty, I'm like, I just feel like we should be talking about this more and having more sympathy for this and not like throwing random parties and like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they grew up in Riverdale, so they're used to tragedy. Yeah. That's just like at the end of the Josie and the Pussycats episode when they were like, oh yeah, we grew up in Riverdale. We are 100% sure my father got murdered because everybody's death is a murder. All deaths must be considered suspicious until proven otherwise. Yeah. So Alice is going to bring up on this news newscast that another body has been found in the Riverdale morgue, which I was like, oh snap, we know that Dr. Curdle's nervous about all the bodies he's keeping around. I'm sure they're all going to yeah. get stolen. So that was pretty obvious. They, they got stolen by the the actual killers, um, not like any sort of law enforcement. Yeah. There's there's also this, like, do you want to talk about the other plot line that's kind of going in this one? I had it as a separate plot, but then I joined them together when I realized that they were all related. The Britta plot line, which I apologize. I'm pretty sure in the previous episode, I called her Bryn or Brie because I couldn't remember what her name was. But She hasn't been on the show now, but yeah, so it does get folded in. So Britta is like the only student that we've seen more than once at Riverdale High. And she goes to Tony's office because she had gotten into a fight. She had punched a student named Tim Higgins because he was uh, bullying her and calling her like homophobic slurs. And uh, Tony's like, oh, okay, well, like violence is not the answer, but also I will talk to him about that behavior because that's also like not acceptable. And in this moment, uh, Britta does come out to Tony um, saying that she does think that she's gay. Uh, and, and Tony is really great and supportive about how like that's like her life and her journey. And she 
can tell or not tell whoever she wants whenever she wants because that's like her life, which was really great. And Berta wants to come out to her parents and she asks Tony to be there and it does not uh, go well. They yeah. they did not react well. Um, we find out it did not go well because Tony and Fangs have a really like good conversation about like when they came out to their families. Yeah, I would say the one asterisk, which I understand why they didn't do this because it's a TV show and they don't want to be confusing and they want us to know who they're talking about. But ideally, uh, even if you're, you know, talking to your significant other or your very close friends or whatever, you shouldn't like drop names of your students by things that were said in confidentiality. Yeah, she did out a a small child to Fangs. Uh, Yeah. And like, I know that some people might say like, well, they live together. It's different or whatever. But like still, like, yeah, you just, if you're a teacher, you probably, or, you know, a therapist or anything where you're having confidential conversations, you probably shouldn't go home and be like, so here's the name of the person. Yeah. And it's, here's and, what and happened. And typically speaking, you would sign a confidentiality agreement and those agreements are pretty specific. Like there are some things that happen at your work or whatever that are confidential that you can still talk about, but you have to talk about them in general terms. Like you can't, right. you can't be like, oh, Britta Smith who lives at 446 Rover Lane. Uh, and I, I mean, again, it's a TV show, so I understood why they did it, because I think if if all of a sudden Tony was like, I mean, I think that the audience is probably smart enough that if Tony just said, so one of my students yeah. is having this, instead she was like, so Britta, you know Britta, <laughs> right? The yeah. one kid we That's all know. That's true. So I hadn't anyway, thought about that, it was but you're just something, right. it was something that jumped out to me just because, like, my sister and my mom are both teachers, and so, like, if they ever talk about anything, it's, it's very abstract and very, yeah. like, you know, no, they're not your- dropping name so i i I did not clock that but yeah you're completely right anyway but yeah not not super crucial but it's a good conversation that she has with fangs i had actually seen this uh it was on youtube like before i saw the episode it was just the clip was out so i thought that uh that was a good conversation they had tony is very supportive and they talk about baby anthony and how they're gonna you know love him no matter what and all that so that's yeah is this is this supposed to imply that there's gonna be like tony and fangs I don't think so. I think it's implying that the child might be Tony and Fangs is Mm -hmm. unclear. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's if there was like thruple stuff that we didn't. I don't know. I'm still extremely frustrated that we don't have any kind of like the show loves to wrap up. The show likes to make pregnancy a plot line, but we will not see that child. No, but that that's not even what I mean. Like I'm mostly talking about like the Kevin of it all is like Kevin and fangs we're gonna have a child and raise the child and that tony was gonna be the surrogate that's like what they started the show saying now it's like tony and fangs are raising this child and i'm not saying that tony wouldn't have been in the picture well no they they all lived together i think they were planning to all raise the child together probably but but i think like I, i don't think that there's like a romantic relationship between tony and fangs here i think that this is supposed to be more of like a you know co parenting situation i think that they are implying maybe some future Tony Fangs ish. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Meanwhile, while all that's happening, Jughead and Betty, they talk to Lerman and uh, he's like, yeah, I was sleepwalking and then I woke up in a metal shed and it looked like a spaceship and then a Mothman came in and helped me escape. The Mothman told me that I was a mistake to be captured and I wasn't supposed to be caught. I ended up getting released by him and I know that I was somewhere close 
close to the lonely highway because I could hear the trucks going by. And so that story rings a bell with what um, Polly had said previously. And so then they use that plus the fact that the bodies got stolen to put together that it's very similar, like there are similarities between what's been going on with Jughead and Tabitha and what's been going on with Betty. Right. And they realize because at this time, the um, the bodies from the morgue are stolen, both the uh, dismembered limbs and also the tongueless guy uh, who yes, Betty who had we been do interrogating. Al- yes. And we do also find out Be- um, Betty had provided um, a DNA sample to test against the dismembered body to see if it was um, Polly. But um, Dr. Curdle Jr. also tested her DNA against the tongueless man and they were related. So, wow. Yes. Yeah. We find out that tongueless man was a blossom by uh, sort of a long line and that Betty was a cousin of his. Like a very distant cousin. Yeah. So this is where we get the whole situation because they're like, hey, these bodies being stolen, that's a lot like when our Mothman body was stolen. Yes. And so, which is also confusing because Nana Blossom gave them the Mothman body and then I guess stole it back Well, yeah. Instantly. And so I think- That was confusing. No, no, no. She didn't steal it back. She gave it to them and then um, the old man Dreyfus heard oh, them did talking- he steal it back? He, yeah. He oh, heard them yes. talking about it when he was picking up his Thursday night pork chop order. That's right. Um, and then stole it. Uh, it was it was him. But yeah, so they talk to Nana Rose and they find out that was uh, Cousin Timothy um, and the reason why the body looked so strange is because he had a lot of birth defects. And I guess her late husband uh, was very promiscuous and got a lot of people pregnant. Um, but there's also like an implication that this like colony of people might also be incestuous as well. And maybe that's why there's birth defects? Question mark. Because like, yeah. we haven't heard anything to think that there is incest there. However, they do call them incestuous at one point, And I think that that was meant to be a dis- a reason why there were birth defects on Cousin Timothy. But again, they just told us that. They didn't show us that. Yeah, I'm really not sure what the situation is. I I was kind of unclear on a couple things because... It's multiple generations are now living in the woods now. Yeah, so there 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 was a couple who didn't have any children and all of the babies that the promiscuous husband was getting people pregnant with, they were sending to this couple in the woods Mm -hmm. and they created a fi- and so the Starkweathers is the name of the family and they created a fictional story around themselves that they were the Mothmen because they didn't want to be bothered by people and eventually they move into the mines and then they move out of the mines later but yeah and then they move end up by the highway it's weird this plot line one thing that I was thinking during the episode that I thought might happen is I was like oh is there a possibility that they will find Polly alive and she's like pregnant with one of the Starkweathers Ooh, children nice. Like, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they found, like, a bunch of, like, pregnant women that had been missing. So, this is what I don't understand. So, okay, Tony tells Jughead and Betty that Britta left the note and ran away, and then her and Fangs are like, we want to help. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a weird scene. We don't really need to talk about it a lot, but I I don't know if you had any interesting thoughts on it. There's a scene where Tony and Fangs are, like, basically debating if either of them or if both of them or whatever should stay behind with the baby. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And they both are like, no, because we don't want to be, we don't want our child to think that we're cowardly and like we want to help out. Yes, because their child's going to remember this. Yeah. Three days old. So I don't know. I mean, Tony really bounced back postpartum, by the way. Oh, yeah. But this is like, I guess the part that was sort of weird to me was I was like, this is kind of an interesting stance for the show to take when, like, I guess the other stance that you could have would be your child is going to be more upset if their parents, like, die in this scenario than they would be if you were a coward. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I really didn't even clock this conversation because I thought it was really d- just dumb. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. I'm like, we're spending a lot of time on this conversation for, like, an interesting stance. And I'm not even 100% sure what my stance on it is, but I guess not the, like, we need to both be brave to find this. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so um, then the group goes to find Britta and while Jughead is going to distract uh, old man Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. So there was like a mild moment that again, there was like a lot of small things. I'm like, is this important? And then it didn't go anywhere. Like Dreyfus hands Jughead some moonshine and he doesn't drink it. But I'm like, I, I was like, if you're going to hand him some moonshine, like it, he's a recovering alcoholic, at, at least have that be like a plot point of him like does he drink it does he not you know but no it was, it was like a, such a throwaway line that I'm like why'd you put this in here then if it's not going to go anywhere I think that they just were trying okay well you're watching the wrong show for that bub I think that it's more so that they I think they really wanted to present this like family that lives um away from society as like not as like quote unquote like white trash as possible I like I think that that's just like they I think they were just like oh what can we do to like make them look that way and they're like oh moonshine is something it almost instantly Jughead's like hey by the way this is a distraction and I'm totally on to you but like let's chat about it and see if my theory is right which Oldman Dreyfus is like sure let's chat about it here's where I'm confused so he says that they they go after women to survive yes um and so I'm like okay but like is it because they need sex so badly is it because they need to like have children like that's why I was like oh maybe they're like getting them pregnant and it's to like carry on the line but then there was no babies no pregnant people nothing that's like the part that's confusing is they they eat no like i'm pretty sure that what they do is they're just stealing the money off of these women because he says like because jughead's like oh well you know a lot of these women like they probably don't have that much money on them and he's like dreyfus says yeah well it's enough enough to buy food and stay alive so i'm pretty sure that it started with them just capturing these women in order to take the money off them and they say that they specifically go after people who aren't going to be missed. But then why does it need to be just women? And the whole thing with like Lerman getting caught but then being released. Well, it's yeah, because like- I, th- well, first of all, Lerman was sleepwalking so he wouldn't have had any money with him. He's just a child. But yeah, I think there was like, I think there's there's a very obviously an element to this where like maybe it started as, oh, we rob people and then I was like, oh, well, maybe if we kill them then there's less evidence and then we won't get caught. And then it, I'm assuming that it turned into some kind of like, oh, I actually really like murdering people. Yeah, I mean, I get the feeling that like now it's more for sport. I still don't understand why it needs to be just women. I All of those people probably have the serial killer gene, like Betty, first of all. But I, I think that in general, it's like if you're looking at like true crime or fictional crime or whatever, most of the time it is always going to heavily be violence against women because it's a lower risk target because in general, especially the women that were being taken in this are less likely to be missed because again they are like sex workers etc right that was what was really weird too is 
I feel like um, the show took a hard lean into using the proper term of sex workers, but to me, it's not believable that that's what old man Dreyfus would call them. Yeah, I like, did and clock es- that. Especially, like, and especially if you're murdering people, I feel like you would be trying to de-humanize them to make it easier to kill them. So, though, obviously, the right thing to do is to call a sex worker a sex worker and not, like, a derogatory name. It's weird to me that the person who's murdering sex workers was using, like, the proper vernacular. Yeah, I feel like that was, like, a thing where they wrote the term, like, the more PC term in and then just forgot who they were having say it or something. Like, Yeah, they're like, oh, we can't use that word. It's bad. And it's like, well, like, it's also bad to murder people. And the murderer who is murdering these sex workers probably does not care about using the appropriate um, language. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm still a little bit confused because, of course, when they said that they were going after women in order to survive, I assume they meant, like, literally, like, keep our family surviving. Yeah. And that could be part of it. Because, like, it's a, there's two generations of the family. How did there, how have there been more generations if they've all been sons? Yeah, we haven't seen any women, so I don't know what's going on. I mean, I guess maybe they did impregnate someone at some point and mm-hmm. then after the baby was born, dumped the body somewhere, I guess. Like, you know, yeah. I'm assuming that that could have happened, but Well, and the way that, know. like, the guy who ate his own tongue um, was, like, he was, like, a, a really messed up guy. Like, he clearly, like, enjoyed murder, so. Yeah, so it, it sounds like that's what they're saying. Like, now, it, at this point, it's become just more of a sport. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Tony's gonna find the shed where Britta's in. Now, this also, um, we're gonna find out that we see, like, somebody touch her shoulder and she screams. Later on, we're gonna find out that there's, like, one good Starkweather and he has some sort of skin condition around his eyes that sort of make his, I don't know, skin around his eyes look red and large. And that is what Lerman was referring to when he was talking about the Mothman. And there's, like, they have, like, the costumes. Yes, there's also that. But Lerman said that he was, like, let go by one of them. So I'm pretty sure that this was this guy. Now, the question is, did this guy also try to let Polly go? And is that how she escaped? Because she did escape at one point. Yeah, I think that probably they let that he was the one who let Polly out when she got out. So that's possible. So I'm going to say that I would hope in my headcanon that he was also going to let Britta out at some point, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah. Britta, who's also just a child. A literal child. Yes. So they get her. um, I really did not like the part where Fang steps in a bear trap. Did not like that. I just, I felt like a lot of stuff happened really fast here that I didn't like. And it was just like, none of this is required. Like the, we have the the Mothman quote unquote attacking. Um, Yeah, Fang's on the bear trap. Uh, My cousin stepped on a bear trap recently. Oh, are they okay? Yeah, it it wasn't this kind. It wasn't like the claw kind, but it like trapped her in there where they needed to get like four people to wrench it open because it was like very difficult to get open. Luckily, she was wearing like intense trail boots, so she was fine. But um, that's really traumatizing. Yeah, she does a lot of like caving and hiking and stuff like that. So anyway, she has a picture of her holding up the dismembered bear trap and like giving the finger to it. (laughs) So I'm like, Mm. yep. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, that checks out. That's wild. Yeah. This is why I stay inside. <laughs> yeah. So, th- yeah, all of this happens, and then Dreyfus tries to bite off his own tongue, but Jughead stops him so yeah. that he'll have to answer their questions. The part I'm confused about is later on when he's answering their questions, why is he not just trying to bite off his own tongue then? Why is that the go-to move of the family? It's a weird one, but okay. Like, why not have, like, a cyanide capsule? Yeah. Why are you going to bite off your own tongue? That's gross. Yeah. But yeah, so Betty asks about 
out where Polly is. And um, Dreyfus is like, she's in the junkyard. I'll draw you a map. And so Polly is dead. We get at the end of the episode, Betty and, and Alice go and they find her in the trunk of a car in the junkyard, which raises a question though, because several bodies were dumped along the lonely highway. But if they were also hiding bodies in cars, the kill count could be like significantly higher. Yes. I didn't see this coming. I really didn't think they were going to kill I Polly I thought she off. was going to be alive. I really, I did think she was going to be alive. Yeah. I mean, at the point when they have the like, just the music over the scene of the two of them walking out top down view of the car, I knew she was going to be dead at that point because yeah. unless he was implying that they like just put her in the trunk like that no, day. There's like, no way. Yeah. So they're crying. I mean, I think it's very clear from the acting that she's dead, mm-hmm. which we here- still haven't seen her head. So here's the thing. This is going to sound horrible. I feel like I would be more okay with this if she didn't have like teenage kids. I don't know why. It's like they 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 wrote themselves into a corner, obviously, with that pregnancy baby plot line. And the fact that they have these kids that sort of also seem to have like some serial killer tendencies. To yeah, them. I just like, like the, I just the, don't know where this is going. Like the these fact poor of kids. the matter is, like the Ugh. kids aren't on the show, so they don't exist to me. Like they're not. Yeah. Like it doesn't. They, it doesn't matter. Like it's just to me sad that so many women died. It's really sad. I really didn't think this was gonna happen, and yeah. it's a pretty dark turn for the show. Based on the next episode, though, uh, I watched the preview. Did you look at the preview for the next episode? No, I don't watch previews. We are going to have some more of the Polly actress in them. Yes. So, so the, um, I did note the that. next the next episode is the musical episode. Oh, I did not the, know it was the yeah, it's episode. um so it's the penultimate episode of the season, and it is the musical. Um, and I had just I saw an article about it recently. The title so, is next to normal. yeah. So the what is that the musical is to? next to next to normal and that the musical that they're doing is very it's a really dark musical i guess and so the just the official synopsis of the episode is refusing to accept what's going on around her alice creates an imaginary musical fantasy world in which the coopers are one big happy family again uh as her mother continues to spiral betty does her best to pull her back to reality um plus there's like other stuff with the other people but like that we don't need to go into it but next to normal is like a really really dark musical i am not familiar with the show but i looked up the wikipedia and so it's it's a show for that was from 2008 and it's the story centers on a mother who struggles with worsening bipolar disorder and the effects that managing her illness has on the family and it is just like really dark really like intense wow i didn't know we were having a musical episode so i thought i i told you that we were having another musical episode i messaged you and i said there's another one and it's the penultimate episode of the season and the finale's on October 6th so yeah I guess if I thought about it for like any length of time that would have made sense I just I didn't think about it wow okay so yeah so it's gonna be I think it's gonna be intense next week and I'm gonna be mad because it's a musical we'll see I mean if it's Alice heavy I like that so I guess we'll Well, find out but how good of a singer is she I'm so frustrated with this show. Like, I understand that they can't do this, but I just, like, I miss season two, Alice. Okay. It's so sad now. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Here's some thoughts and questions from our listeners. Zev says, wow, y'all have so much to unpack with this one. That's true. This is one of our longest uh, episodes that we've had for a while. And But we also had two weeks worth of banter. Yeah, true. Uh, Zev says, it was normal for Kevin to dodge another potential cult, but to act as if to praying to Gaia is 
more fringe than praying to Jason Blossom is absurd to me. Yeah, I think we agree with that (laughs) by a lot. Hiram is truly a cartoon, as pointed out by Veronica and you two multiple times. He has teenage nemesis that he fails to thwart. That nemesis grew up and becomes a super soldier. Archie is literally Captain America (laughs) after the garbage lid throw. Don't at me. That's what I said. It's something that Captain America does. I like Captain America. I don't like Archie, so I refuse the comparison. But in the first Captain America movie, he picks up a trash can lid and throws it, and it's like, oh, look, it's going to be like the shield. Okay. Yeah, which is fine, but I reject the concept that Archie is Captain America because I like Captain America and Chris Evans, and I hate. Archie Andrews. Okay. Zev continues, now we're at the point where he forced the collapse of a whole ass mind to kill one man. All that for the nemesis to be saved by a witch and Hiram to be called a little bee again. Uh, what are your votes for most normal plotline and why is it somehow the Mothman? Um, I think the most normal plotline um, is actually just exclusively um, the Britta plotline up to the point where she goes missing. <laughs> yeah, I could probably I could probably agree with that. The plotlines are not normal the veronica plotline was like somewhat normal until she murdered someone and took her father captive yeah that part not great i'm I'm trying to think i don't know kevin leaving the cult was like pretty normal i guess Mm. it was it was good of him to do i guess maybe that's it wasn't really normal but I don't know. The plot lines are never normal. That's why we have so much trouble finding the most normal person. Yeah. So Dance of Death, aka Dance Macabre. So Dance of Death is an album by Iron Maiden, but it's also just a term that uh, is an artistic genre of allegory for the late Middle Ages on the universality of death. No matter one's station in life, the Dance Macabre unites us all. So We all die. There's that. Yep. Um, And also, it's a song and an album by Iron Maiden, so haven't listened to that. Not going to, but feel free to do that on your own time, people. New characters, nothing notable. I mean, there were some new Mothmen, and there was that kid who bullied Britta, but we didn't even see them. Our Close But No Cigar, I'm going to retroactively put Storm, what was it? Summer Storm? Yeah, whatever. Storm of Summer? Whatever it is, that that book. And then also Pippi. Oh, sorry. Um, I just went to go look up Starkweather, because I was like, is that a thing? Oh, is it a thing? And Charles Raymond Starkweather was an American spree killer who murdered 11 people in Nebraska and Wyoming in the 1950s. He, uh, I just want to see, he murdered a service station attendant. He killed his girlfriend's mom and dad, then a child, and then went to a farmhouse who is a family friend and killed him. Then they killed some local teenagers who stopped to give them a ride um it was just a spree just not like a standard mo or anything like that like he wasn't like picking up hitchhikers and murdering them he was just like like time to murder everyone around me jeez yeah he he was a spree killer he did his first he got angry and killed the gas station attendant it like unlocked something in him and he just killed 10 more people in like a very um short period of time and also two family dogs of people as well so sad what about most normal person hmm that's a tricky one I mean, I do feel like Kevin was pretty normal. I mean, is it normal to recognize that the religion you're in is a cult? Is there anyone else that was in the episode? Can we give it to Britta? Um, I don't know. I mean, she ran away. 
Yeah, but she ran away after her parents like didn't accept her when she came I out know. to them. I, I feel guess, like that, I, but it just and, like, seems like she, where was she, she going? I yeah, like, but the thing I feel is, like she should have run away like to Tony's house. Yeah, no, but like we we were never given any indication that she was like planning to run away forever. It could have just been that she got upset and left the house and just left the house at the wrong time and got picked up by like a bad person. Can we give it to the good Mothman? No, because they lived there with murderers their whole life and never turned them in. Well, like, you don't know like you, their we scenario. Can say, Maybe they like, were we trapped can, at home. No, stop it. We can say, oh, there's a quote-unquote good Mothman, but the fact of the matter is is that they stood by while many people died. They're not that good. Yeah, they're That's not, not normal. that good, but I, I'm just saying, we don't know their life. Like, for all we know, but old now man Dreyfus going... is the only one who's allowed yeah, to go into town. But now, oh yeah, because you can't break the rules to go report a crime yours now you're trying to go into thing of like well for a mothman they're the most <laughs> normal and we've already determined many okay. times that hey, that's not a right, fair thing. is it eric? i think it's Br- i think it's Br- who no eric is <laughs> why is eric working in a mine i just uh, i hate that we have to give it to someone who is at all in this mothman plot i don't yeah, like but any like, of she these was barely in the plot you tried to give it to the mothman is it dr curdle because he was no! like wait hold on Hold, hear me out. He was like, hey, Betty, I don't like the fact that I'm keeping this illegal body down here. Yeah, but he wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to report it to the authorities. <laughs> he was like, can I either destroy the evidence or you give me more money? That's not normal. That's not how a, a doctor or medical examiner should be. He just takes bribes to give away medical information. It can't be him. <sighs> Is it Fangs? Because Fangs has Tony's back? No, because he went to the freaking Mothman house. Like, I understand that there's no cops in Riverdale but like isn't Sheriff Keller there no he's not there obviously where is he and we have no idea where Sheriff Keller is he was here briefly does Mayor McCoy still live in Riverdale did we figure that out is she no she was back in town to visit she was there to visit but isn't she married I think they're divorced they must be divorced it's been seven years we don't know I think like there's not a lot of normalcy in this episode I really think Britta's the most normal character and I think she just got swept up in a bad thing after all of her normalness i'm not happy about it but like who's the who's more normal i don't know Nobody. like you brought up the medical examiner who takes bribes and destroys <laughs> evidence the person who's been living amongst murderers their whole life and never told anyone <laughs> a guy who like went into the weird murder compound like i mean i'm just the, saying we don't, the, the guy who's mining who, when he should clearly be at like physical therapy for his injuries like this none of this is normal normal fine but normally we try not to give it to someone who is literally in one scene but okay. i think we actually often give it to someone who is literally in one scene because the more scenes someone's in the more likelihood they're going to be in some total bullshit who did you give it to last time i gave it to tabitha oh, d- and you gave it to someone yeah no i didn't think it was oh i gave it to um jughead's agent oh yes sam Pansky. and also possibly jug i said i would be open to the discussion of it being jughead yeah but not this week no not this week <laughs> <laughs> okay all right everyone that's all for this week's episode let's wrap this up i'm tired of it um mary's tired of me <laughs> i am i'm done with this um this was an episode of riverdale and next week we'll have another episode of riverdale a musical episode right a musical episode i believe not directed by a river mommy mm, i don't like that mm. yeah no never mm, no nope. i really don't this like is, it this is mary really doing like the, the tiktok audio mommy uh sorry Mo- mommy sorry mommy sorry no, I don't like it. I don't like it. A river mom. Can we just call him a river mom? River mother? That's... Motherdale? <laughs> Motherdale. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, you can go okay, anyways, vote on Twitter about what we're doing in terms of. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll River put out Mom. a poll on the Kowski Cast account, and Mary yeah. and I will both retweet it. It'll run for twenty four hours, and we'll ultimately decide what the moms of Riverdale should be called. Should they be River Mommies? <laughs> Mother Dales. I think River or Mom is my River favorite. Moms. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's this is so bad. All right. Uh until then, you can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary and you can follow Kowski Cast everywhere at Kowski Cast. That's cow with a K. You can follow Kirsten everywhere at Kirsten Said What. And also check out Bojack Horse Pod that she does with the great Lindsay Wilson about Bojack Horseman. Also, check out everything that Kirsten is doing over on the RE. HAP network. Also check out whatever I'm doing over there. I just don't know what that is at the moment. I think I'm going to be huh. on a Big Brother podcast tomorrow, but oh. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll find huh. out what we else there find is. Out. Yeah, I think I'm doing that and I might be doing something next week. I uh, I was on the first uh, Survivor BMB of the new season today. Uh, myself and Maggie Morgan joined Mike and Liana to play some games. Oh, and so much fun. Dynamic spo- duo. Spoiler alert. I won the most oh. games. I did really well. I'm really excited to listen to that. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> nice. So, you know, all all good things happening <laughs> over on RHAP now that Survivor's back. Yeah. If, if you're not watching Survivor, That's it's okay. season drop the four, keep the one. So it's basically like the beginning. It's just algebra. It's fine. <laughs> Also, I don't think you mentioned both uh, Mary and myself have Twitch channels. There's twitch.tv slash Frail Mary and twitch.tv slash Kirsten said what? I know I, I'm i playing this week's Among Us game. Yes, so am I. You know, Ooh. I need to resurrect my Twitch channel, but I've been busy. So we'll I see. I understand. We'll I haven't been happens. online as much lately either. It's been hard. I'm hoping that in the winter I feel like a revival. We'll see yeah. how it goes. I think winter's when I do my best work. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be good. Anyway, all right. Anything else? Kirsten um just thanks everyone for listening um yeah we don't think enough yeah if you liked this episode you could leave us a review I know we brought that up a few times but like we haven't had a new review in some time and it just hurts so oh actually speaking of which let me read a review (laughs) we we have reviews um, not really. I mean, we've just been keeping reviews <laughs> from me. I've got a fake review. This review is from TB Snow Globe that says, Cowspiracy, great podcast to listen to on your way to work. Thank you, TB Snow Globe. That's definitely not a copy and paste from Kylan's <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I Which think, is what I um, asked for on the slop. So thank you. Yeah, that was that. before Kylan really took his villain turn. So yeah, that was a time. Anyway. Anyways, thank I'm going to so be much. speaking to your manager for not reading all these reviews to meet Mary. I'm pretty sure I sent you a screenshot. <laughs> yeah, you did. You yeah. Did. I'm just anyway. joking. It was just a yoke. Okay. All right. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>